0: We are in our third week of our study of 1 John, and uh, during the series, we are walking through this book, we're we're wrestling with the text, and we're really trying to grab a hold of uh, and understand what John means when he says that in this world, we are like Jesus. And ultimately, our goal is that as we grow in our understanding of this, that we would actually become more like Jesus. And so, so far, uh, what we've learned about John is that uh, he, he paints in stark contrast. Uh, everything with John is, is either black or white. Um, there is no gray. You're either uh, walking in the light or you're walking in darkness. Uh, you're either living in the truth or you're living in a lie. You're either a child of God or a child of devil. There, there is no in-between with John. And um, we do know that he's writing this letter as both an encouragement to his readers, but, but also as a warning. Uh, he's encouraging and assuring his readers that, um, that they actually do know the truth. And he's, and he's writing to them so that they would not be led astray by those who are not living in the truth. And he's sending in his letter, he is, uh, he's reminding his readers that they are to become like Jesus. And so this is uh, the title of the series that we're in right now, uh, Becoming Like Jesus. And what I'd like to do is ask you to turn in your Bibles to 1 John, uh, either on your device or your physical Bible, and we're going to be reading 1 John 1, 6 through chapter 2, verse 2. So we'll be starting at 6, and we're reading through to chapter 2, verse 2. And if you need a Bible, I think the ushers are going to be bringing some around right now, maybe. I don't see any, maybe not. Um, And I'll give you a second to get there. Again, it's uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 through chapter 2, verse 2. It says, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk, walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. In the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let's pray. Father God, I confess that this room feels very large right now. And God, I pray that you would make it small. God, I pray that your intimacy um, would be with us today, that your intimacy would be in this room. God, would you help me to embody your heart that's in, in this text? God, would you search our our hearts and our minds and bring to the surface those things that that you want to gently and lovingly just deal with. God, anoint my words. Uh, Minister uh, to your church through your word. In Jesus' name, we ask for this. Amen. So the title of my sermon today is called Understanding Sin and Forgiveness. In our our time together, uh, what I want to submit to you is that from this text... Uh, Becoming like Jesus means three things. To be like Jesus means to walk in the light. And when we walk in the light, it exposes our sin. Therefore, becoming like Jesus means that we confess our sins. And by confessing our sins, we take in the forgiveness of Jesus. And I want to repeat that again. To be like Jesus means to walk in the light. And when we walk in the light, our sins are exposed. Therefore, becoming like Jesus means that we confess our sins. And by confessing our sins, we take in the forgiveness of Jesus. And so let's talk a little bit about walking in the light. Becoming like Jesus is, in fact, the ultimate goal of the Christian walk. And if we logically uh, think this through and ask the question, what does it really mean to become like Jesus? Um, I don't think that anybody in here would argue that in order to become like someone, we have to know who they are. But I don't mean just know of who they are, and I don't mean they, they need to know about who they are, but we really have to experience who they are. And I believe that as Christians, to really know and experience Jesus, it will be a lifetime practice and journey for us. I think that this was actually the case for John, and, and I believe that this was, uh, is the case for us today. In First John 1, uh, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. What John is showing us here in this text is that he has experienced Jesus, and he knows him in deep and intimate ways. And he doesn't know about Jesus, he didn't know just of Jesus, um, but it's because of how he has experienced Jesus firsthand and spent time with him that he knows him ultimately uh, and knows him deeply. And, and I think that this is what God wants for us as well, to experience and to know him in deep and intimate ways. And what John means by walking in the light, I think, is that we are to submerge ourselves into the life of Jesus Christ. Now, certain actors have been known to go to extreme measures to become the characters that they play. They do this in a way uh, to get to know who the character is. They do everything they can to actually become that character. There's a sense of intimacy that they develop with, with the character through all of these extreme measures. And as the actor uh, plays a scene, they, they, they actually uh, try to become like a chameleon for who they, they're playing. They're hunting for, for that character's core desire that sustains him, through, uh, him or her through, through the entire story. In a New, York tar- art- a New York Times article uh, titled, When an Actress Prepares, No Eye Contact, Please, uh, this article actually describes different character studies and what famous women did to prepare for these various roles. Uh, they shared what Michelle Williams did to prepare for her role as Marilyn Monroe in My Week with Marilyn, and here's what they wrote. Michelle Williams spent six months in deepest Marilyn Ophelia emerging with a little girl lost to spare and a red carpet wiggle, courtesy of a movement coach, as well as a desire to play Marilyn, her childhood heroine, over and over. Because when can you say that you've really solved the riddle, she told Vogue. When can you say that you really know her? So after six months of Michelle Williams submerging herself into all things Marilyn Monroe, she was left with this deep desire to not just know Marilyn Monroe, but actually to become Marilyn Monroe. And even then, at the end of six months, she realized that there was still much more to know and explore. And in order for, in, in, there was much more to do in order for her to really know who Marilyn was at even deeper levels. Now, I think for us as Christians, we need to submerge ourselves into the life of Christ. We need, we need to embark on our own lifelong endeavor of our own character study of who Jesus is. To draw closer to Him, to experience Him, to do as He commands, to share in our experiences of Him with one another, and to really become like Him. I think it's in that process that we we discover who we really are. And for some, there's a for some there's actually a fear of that that becoming like Jesus means to give up um, who we are. Well, the actual reality is that when we come to Jesus and we walk in his light, we actually discover who it is that we really are. It's like finding our true selves. We discover more of the fullness of who God created us to be. In the same way, uh, in the same way uh, that we learn, uh, it's in the same way that we learn the depths of who our God is over our lifetime. He also reveals the depths of who we are over our lifetime as well. You know, just this past week, uh, my wife actually said to me, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm learning something new about you every day. And I actually think she meant that in a good way. (laughs) I do. I believe that. Uh, In our marriage, uh, as we follow Jesus together and and learn the depths of who he is together, he actually shows shows us who we were created to be, not only to ourselves, but he shows that uh, to us through one another. And day by day, I see who God created my wife to be, and it is a beautiful picture. When we submerge ourselves in Jesus, we discover who we are. We grow in our understanding of who he is. His light shines on our lives, revealing the truth and exposing the truth, and it exposes the darkness. And sometimes, that exposure to those dark things can feel uncomfortable. And I believe it's supposed to feel uncomfortable. It compels us to actually do something. So what is our response to God's life in our lives? It's unsettling for us to just ignore or turn a blind eye to to darkness in our life. When, When we walk in the light and the light exposes our sins, we have to do something about it. Because walking in God's light, sin is out of place in our lives. We recognize it as something that's just not quite right or something that doesn't really belong there. We have to do something about it. So what do we do? So let's talk about confessing our sins. When we when we walk in the light, our response to His light is the confession of our sins. W. S. Plummer writes, "We never see sin aright until we see it against God. All sin is against God in this sense. That it is that." it is his law that is broken, his authority that is despised, his government that is set at naught. Pharaoh and Balaam and Saul and Judas each said, I have sinned. But the returning prodigal said, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And David said, against thee, and thee only, I have sinned. So last week, uh, during our evening service, Christian Huang uh, gave a sermon titled, God's Light and Our Response. And I know most of you probably were not there uh, at evening service, uh, assuming that you normally come uh, to morning service here. Um, But I do want to encourage you to go back and listen to that message. And in his sermon, he shared five human experiences in response to God's light. Those are hypocrisy, self-deception, willful rebellion, confession, and fellowship. And I'm not going to go into a a lot of depth and detail on all of these, um, but I do want to encourage you again to go online and give it a listen, listen from last Sunday evening. Um, But what I do want to do is I I want to briefly touch on these first three, and then spend maybe a little bit more time talking about the last two. So the first three, hypocrisy, self-deception, and willful rebellion. These are all characteristics and reflections of walking in the darkness. Uh, for hypocrisy in 1 John 1 6, it says, If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live in the truth. Now, this is when we uh, consistently say we believe in one thing, like that we're followers of Jesus, but consistently, over and over again, live in a way that does not reflect what we believe. It's hypocrisy. Or there's self deception. Uh, in first, uh, John 1 John 1.8, it says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, this is when we allow uh, consistent sin, uh, consistent and continual sin in our lives, um, to be in our lives without any conviction or desire to change. We're fine with it and we don't really see it as sin in our lives. Or there's willful rebellion. First John, uh, 1 John one. Uh, 10 says if we claim we have not sinned we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us now similar to self de- this is similar to self-deception but this is when uh, we completely reject the word of God and we don't accept it as true and then we live a life uh, completely without regard to, to what God wants for us these are all reflections of, of walking in the darkness now, the last two, confession and fellowship, these are reflections of walking in God's light. So for confession, uh, in 1 John 1, 1.9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So confession is our response to sin when we are walking in God's light. But sin in the Christian life, I'm sure you all know how complex it is. I mean, we all, every single person, self-included in here, we all have sin. But the difference between walking in the light and walking in the darkness is our response to sin. First John uh, chapter 3, verse 9 says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They can't go on sinning because they have been born of God. Now, the last human experience in response to God's light is fellowship. In 1 John 1, 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all evil. Confession and fellowship go together. They go hand in hand. There's an intimate relationship between confession and fellowship. Confession is what allows us to be in fellowship with God and with one another. In 1 John 1, 4, John actually writes, we write this to make our joy complete. In other words, he's writing to share these th- truths, these reminders and these warnings with his readers so that they can all be in agreement and living in the truth with one another. That's what that means. Samuel in gateway tells us that fellowship involves partnership, compatibility and agreement. There can be no compatibility between darkness and light. As the saying goes, a white cloth and a stain never agree. So what do you do when sin is exposed in your life? When God reveals something to you, what do you do? Do you confess it? Do you run? Do you hide? Do you lie? Maybe act like nothing's wrong? Or maybe you write a song. So I'm assuming every, almost everybody in here knows who Usher is, right? Usher? Yeah. Usher? So, so as I was preparing for this message for this past week, I had one of his songs stuck in my head, playing over and over and over again. And during that time, uh, I've been thinking about how I'm getting older. And I can actually see how people get stuck in the past, remin- reminiscing about their jam from back in the day. It's kind of like what I felt like. Um, So, but but as I was preparing uh, for the sermon, what came to mind was was, uh, Usher's uh, 2004 Grammy award-winning album, Confessions. (laughs) Not not sure if you're familiar with it or not, but the the, the title track for this album is called Confessions. And it's all about this guy, presumably Usher, (laughs) but it could be someone else. There is some controversy around that. And this song is basically about this guy who's unloading his soul to his girlfriend in the song about the continual sin in his life. And you get the impression that it's like a volcano that erupts all out into this song. And he, he actually, the opening lyric to the song is, do you love me unconditionally? Say you'll never leave me no matter what. Then he goes on to share about how he's been telling lies, cheating on her, and living this secret life. He has like an extra car, a, a car that she doesn't know about, it, another house that he doesn't know about, she knows, doesn't know about. And he's had this for some time. And a part of the main uh, chorus for the song says, and I just want to confess, because it's been going on so long. Girl, I've been doing you so wrong. And I want you to know that everything I've been doing is all bad. And the funny thing is that, is if that weren't enough, there was a whole second track called Confessions Part Two. And I guess there was uh, so much sin that he couldn't fit it into one song. So he had to have two songs uh, for all the sin. But I'm pretty sure that that second song wasn't written to the same girl. Which, as a side note, is, a, is the name of another song that Usher did with R. Kelly, if you know. But, but that's a different story. But again, you know, what is our response to sin in our lives? Is it two journal entries? Maybe it's two church services. Maybe you come to morning and evening service. Or maybe you feel like you need to be baptized again. We do not have the capacity to hold the weight of our sin. We need the saving power of Jesus Christ. The Lord encourages us to share and confess our sins, not as a way to blame or punish us, but but as a way to set us free. In Psalm 32, the psalmist, uh, in relief, describes how he felt when he was holding his sin in, how it weighed on his body and his spirit. he uh, He tells of his agony and his eagerness to confess to God. He said, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away as though my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as, as as in the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now, I think that this this psalm should serve as an encouragement to us. We get to step into the psalmist's experience where we can live into the Christian virtue of confession. This psalm tells me that we don't have to carry the weight of our sin. God is not hiding around the corner waiting to bust you or me in our sins. God, God gives us a loving invitation to confess our sins. And that confession is the doorway into fellowship with him. He invites invites us into the light where he's he's waiting to give us forgiveness. His ultimate desire is to be in fellowship with us. God God does not desire to keep keep, uh, scorecards on our sins. John shows us that there's a unique way, uh, a a unique Christian way to deal with failure, and it's confession. Confession is actually a gift from God. It's a part of his love, mercy, and grace. We get to confess, and he is faithful to forgive. With with God, confession and forgiveness go hand in hand. So let's talk about taking in the forgiveness of Jesus. Now, there are two truths about the promise of Jesus to forgive. The first truth is that Jesus is faithful The second truth is that Jesus is enough. 1 John uh, verse 9 says, If we we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us. Now, I think that we live uh, in this false perception that we have to clean ourselves up good enough and and well enough so that God will receive us. Um, We think that we have to take on some monumental effort to clean ourselves up in an effort to make, make it good enough uh, for God to receive us. When the sobering reality is that our own best efforts alone to, to make ourselves good enough can never happen. Because Jesus will always, always, always be the standard of righteousness. Jesus will always be the mark and the bar in our relationship with God. But there is good news that Jesus has already done that work for us. Now, I don't want to give the impression that that means that um, there's no effort or work on our side to do anything, because there is some effort. John would say uh, that the work on our side um, is to confess, and the work on our side is to believe, and the work on our side is to love one another. And that in and of itself is a lifetime of work. But when when we do fall short, because we will, the atonement the covering and saving work of Jesus meets us where we are and provides grace. Jesus really is enough. Not only for you and your sins, not only for me and my sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Now, some of us are held in uh, captive in prison uh, because of the sin that we're in. Some of us are locked up in bondage over the sin um, that we have. We have a choice. We can stay in it, or we can step into God's light and confess that sin. And some of us are, are sitting under, the, uh, under that weight, and we don't have to. Because it says that if we do confess our sins, that he is fa- faithful and just, and he will purify us. That's his promise. Now, I have met people in my lifetime who have been baptized, especially uh, since I became a pastor. And... Um, I've met people who were baptized at one point in time, but then they uh, slip away and drift back into old lifestyles. And that was a little bit reflective of my own walk too, actually. And then something happens, and, and, then they, and, you, and they find themselves back in church, but they're left with this sense of like remorse and regret for slipping away, kind of like the prodigal son. And, and I've actually had a conversation with people who question uh, whether or not they, they were actually ever saved to begin with, if, if their salvation was like a real experience. As if you can sin so much and so bad that your salvation wears off. Well, let me assure you, let me assure every person in this room that when you've made the decision to follow Jesus, when you've been baptized, his atonement never wears off. The saving, uh, the saving work of Jesus in your life has no expiration date. And, that's, and if that's what's been going on, um, you know, just bring it back to God and confess. Take in his forgiveness. And this is the beauty of communion because every week uh, we meet here at Everett and we have the opportunity to come on the carpets that are up here and confess our sins to the Lord. We, we have the opportunity, their communion in the balcony on the sides here. Um, we have the, the opportunity to remember his sacrifice and to acknowledge that he is enough. His blood is enough to cover your sins, my sins and sins of the whole world. We just have to receive his invitation to confession and receive his forgiveness. This is all a part of becoming like Jesus. So I just want to close us um, with reading 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, where it says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Let's pray. (sighs) Father God, um, you are enough, Lord, for us. And I pray that no matter uh, where we've been in our walk with you, God, no matter um, how far off that we've gotten, um, maybe it's It's been a few years. Maybe it's only been a few weeks. Lord God, you know. God, I pray that you would bring us back into your light, bring us back into the fold of your forgiveness, Lord. God, we love you and we thank you and we receive you in Jesus' name, amen.